Today on Moody Presents with Mark Job. There's something about the act of faith, something about the stepping forward, something about I'm not ashamed, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I need help, I need prayer, I need God. Something about that that's powerful, that's redeeming, that exposes our need for God. Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. He's president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. We're launching a new study over the next several weeks focusing on the famous I Am declarations that Jesus Christ made. Are you familiar with them? I suspect you'll come away from this story with a gripping reminder that the power of faith will cause ordinary to become extraordinary. Perhaps it's time for you to step out in faith as you take your own next step toward Jesus Christ. More on that later. Right now, here's Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. I think the reason that Jesus healed in so many different ways was that Jesus was trying to show, I'm not boxed. Uh, you know, someone once described it, this, imagine two blind people that were healed by Jesus running into each other after they were healed. Imagine the conversation. Hi, my name's Bartimaeus, what's your name? And my name's Levi, oh yeah? Hey, do you know that once I was blind, now I see? You were blind and now you see? Yeah, me too! I mean, I was blind and now I see too? Whoa, high five, yay Jesus! Man, we're in this together, brother, that's a blessing. Beautiful, man, we're like, man, wasn't it incredible to see? Oh, it sure was, it's so great to be able to see. Hey, wasn't that amazing when Jesus put mud on your eyes and then you were able to see? Mud? Hold on, bro. That's not the way Jesus does it. Yeah, you know, he puts mud on your eyes and you go wash it and you see that's the way he heals. Oh, no. I don't know what cult you're a part of, but listen, the way that Jesus does it, he doesn't even touch you. He extends his hands and says, eyes be open. It's the hand, it's the, you know, it's the power of the hand. Oh, no, 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 no. It's the mud and the water. Oh, 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 you must be really off. So I don't know what Jesus healed you, but it definitely wasn't my Jesus. Well, I'm gonna start my own denomination called the mud spit healers. Well, I'm gonna start mine that's called the extend your hand healers. Okay, and that's the way it works. And so we have people, right? I think that's the way it works. And then when they grow up with hundreds and thousands, they turn into denominations. There's one denomination over here that says, well, you know, all those people that raise their hand and clap, make all that noise, that can't be of God, that's gotta be the devils. They got drums like in Africa where they call up the spirits. <laughs> the person over here is saying, oh, unless they have drums, electric guitars, go like this, they don't have the spirit. They're just dead. And we start fighting about silly things. I don't really care how Jesus healed you, as long as it's Jesus. And and how you came to Christ doesn't matter as long as he's the way, the truth, and the life. And some of you came to God through a tragedy, 
Some of you came because a friend talked to you. Some of you came when you were just awakened. Some of you were doing great but since an emptiness of the soul. Some of you were an addict and you were liberated. I mean, there's a lot of pathways that come to Jesus, but ultimately, Jesus is the way to God. And do not argue about the path that brought you to Jesus because ultimately, God is not bound by a box in how he works in our life. The fourth thing that happens in this passage is that our journey to breakthrough and light is that it will always involve steps of obedience and trust. Notice that whether he says extend your hand or stand up, he put mud on this blind person's life and then he says go to the pool. I don't know about you, but it had to be one of the longest journeys of this blind man's life. He's got mud on his face, and he's traveling to a pool that he's probably been to a hundred times before and washed in a hundred times before, but this time he's expecting something different to happen. Oh, let me just say this. The difference between washing in that pool this time and a hundred times before is one simple difference. It's called faith. You know, you could do something a hundred times before, but when you do it in obedience and faith, there's something different that happens. You could have prayed a hundred times before and prayed to Jesus and never had a change in your life until you finally have the faith to believe and really trust God and that prayer, although you've prayed hundreds of times before in your life before, suddenly it's the faith and understanding drawn by God that you pray a prayer that literally transforms your life. There's something about the power of faith and the power of the word when combined together is extraordinary in making changes. God can take the ordinary and cause it to bring about extraordinary results when his hand is in it and faith and obedience are involved in it. Sometimes the journey is a difficult journey, and sometimes even a bit of an embarrassing, tough journey for us. Let me tell you why I, I do what we call here an altar call. Some of you are new, and maybe you don't kind of even understand that concept, but almost practically every Sunday, at the end of a service, I invite people to respond to the message that, that I preach. And that response will, can be over, mainly related to the message, but over whatever God is doing in your life. And the reason I do that, the reason I ask people to get up out of their seats and actually walk somewhere and do something because there is something about, there is something about the journey to a destination in prayer. There's something about a physical act of saying, I'm in need of God and I'm not ashamed to, to, for other people to know that I'm in need of God. There's something about 
Jesus telling this blind man, walk to the pool of Shiloh, where he's walking this path. It's a path towards a destiny, hoping that there's change. At the end, he's expecting change, but there's something physical in it. There's something that requires a step of faith. Now, it'd be a lot easier, for example, even when I call people to Christ, it would be a lot easier to simply let people stay in their seat and say, don't raise your hand, don't look up, don't do anything, just in your heart, just deep in your heart, when no one knows it, just pray a prayer. You wouldn't have, no one's gonna have to see you, no one's gonna have to. It would be a lot easier to do it that way. But the reason I don't do it that way is I believe there's something about the act of faith, something about the stepping forward, something about I'm not ashamed, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I need help, I need prayer, I need God, I need Jesus, and I'm not afraid and ashamed to say it in front of other people. There's something about that that's powerful, that's redeeming, that exposes our need for God. That's part of what baptism is as well. Because baptism is a public sign declaring to the whole world, I am in need of cleansing because there is, there is moral dirt on my soul that needs to be washed and I need the cleansing power of God to save me because I cannot do it on my own. It's a physical act, but it symbolizes a power of spiritual truth that is enacted on by faith. Are you tracking with me? Because this is important. That's why we celebrate communion. We have communion and people come to take of communion and it's a physical act that symbolizes I need Christ in me. And so this cracker and this wine or grape juice, they represent the body and the blood of Christ because I need him inside of me. I need to partake of him. He is the one that cleanses me, that saves me. He lives inside of me. And there is an, a physical act that symbolizes a spiritual truth. And there's something in that act of faith that touches us. There's something in that act of faith that releases a grace and power into our lives. And sometimes it's the act of going to a person physically and saying, I forgive you. Sometimes it's the act of getting on our knees and praying. But whatever it is, at times, God will ask us to walk down a journey, and that journey sometimes is a journey, a difficult journey to make because it's a journey in which other people see that we are on a journey that says, I'm in desperate need for God. What more desperate image than a man with mud on his face, struggling, tripping, blindly making his way to a pool? Well, that wasn't the cruelty of Jesus sending him to do that. That was the loving heart of God asking him to take a journey of faith that would require him not to be embarrassed in front of other people and believe that God has the power to do something supernatural in his life. The altar call is the same way. And if what other people may say about you keeps you from coming up and asking for prayer or getting prayer, then probably your faith is not great enough to overcome. Your fear of man may be greater than your faith in God. 
Thanks, Pastor Mark. We're going to pause right here in today's message. With a quick reminder, though, that you're listening to Pastor Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute, on our program, Moody Presents. You know, it's interesting. Moody Presents has been a hallmark broadcast of Moody Bible Institute over the years, and it always features the teaching of our president. If you visit moodypresents.org, you'll learn much more about the Moody Bible Institute, including our undergraduate program. A lot of great majors, a lot of cool stuff going on. Our graduate school, a lot of people don't know we've got one. We do. How about our flight school for missionary aviation? Boy, they do a tremendous job. Online programs to further your own education. Moody Publishers, great resources. Radio Moody programming in Spanish. Our Today in the Word devotional, and so much more. And you know, every month we create special free resources to help you take your next step with Jesus Christ. Perhaps something useful as you enter the holiday season, when life, quite frankly, gets hectic, right? Relationships can get frayed. Well, you'll find lots of help at moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Now let's get back to CSI, Christ Said, I Am. It's our message series on Moody Presents, and here's Pastor Mark Job. Number five, ultimately, the process of healing leads to discovering who Jesus really is. You see, it's really not about the touch of Jesus. It's about Jesus himself. Ultimately, this person was touched by Jesus, but he didn't even know who Jesus was. After he was healed, he was questioned by the Pharisees, and they said, well, who is this man? And he said, I don't know, I think he's probably a prophet. What do you mean? You were healed, but you don't even know who he really is. He's the son of God, he's the way to God. You don't really even understand who Jesus is. How many of you know that Jesus can be involved in our life, answer prayers in our life, touch our life, and sometimes we haven't even understood who he really is? because we can experience the hand of God without really understanding who Jesus is. I have a friend that's blind. She goes to one of our locations on the north side. She actually takes every, every uh, message that I preach on Sunday and she, descri- she uh, transcribes this into written form. The way she does that is she does it audially. She, she plays the tape and she is able to type it and she's got some computer software so that she types the entire message out that way. But I was talking to her about blindness one day and she told me that she was born with the capacity to see and then at an early age lost her sight. And she said, so even though I'm blind, I know what color looks like. I know what light looks like. I know what yellow is and red is. I know what orange is and black. I know shades of color. She says, I have friends that are blind that have never seen color. They've never seen yellow. How do you describe orange without using other colors that no one has ever seen? How do you describe light when no one has seen brilliance? You, you, you know words like yellow, green, gray, but you don't know what they mean because you've never seen them. You know your friends, but you've never seen that your friend has green eyes. You, you, you 
may have felt their face, but you really don't have a clear picture of what they look like. When this man that was born blind went to the pools of Siloam, and he washed his face in mud, and the crowd gathered around. When he opened his eyes and the water was dripping down his face and he saw blurry because of the water, and finally the water came out and he wiped his eyes for the very first time in his life, he saw friends. He probably didn't know which one was which until they spoke. He saw light, he saw colors. He knew the names of his friends, but he never really knew their face. He knew there was a yellow, but he never knew what yellow was like. He knew there was a sun, but he never really understood the brilliance of it until his blindness went away. Listen to me. Some of you have grown up with Christianity, so you know words like faith and Jesus and grace and salvation and the cross. You know those words, but you really, if you have been blind spiritually, you know those words, but you don't really know what they mean because you've never really seen them. When God begins to take away your blindness, not only do you know the words, but suddenly the words make sense to you and you begin to see in full, vivid color who Jesus is and what grace is and what salvation is and it starts to make sense to you and though before you knew the words, now you know the meaning because your eyes have been opened. And lastly, as I wrap things up, there was opposition to this man. And I don't have time to get into all the opposition that came against him, but the disciples were blind because they judged. Is it his sin? Is it his parents' sin? His neighbors were blind because of skepticism. They saw once he'd been healed, but they say, I don't think it's really him because, you know, how could he see now? And they didn't really believe. The Pharisees were blind because of legalism. They were all caught up in how could he heal on the Sabbath? And that's not right. How could Jesus heal? You can heal Sunday through Friday, but not on Saturday. That's just not allowed. They were caught up that Jesus spit, and it was illegal by their rules to spit on the Sabbath. You say, why? Well, because if you spit, you'd make a little mud, and if you made a little mud, it was kind of like work, because how do you make brick by making mud, and so it's wrong to work on the Sabbath, so it's illegal to spit. Seriously. So they were mad that Jesus spit, and that he healed on the Sabbath, because they were legalism, and his family was full of fear, and they were blind because of their fear about really saying that it was Jesus, so sometimes when you start changing, there are people that will oppose your change because they're not comfortable with the new you. You know that some people are more comfortable with an old you problem than with a new you solution? Some people, listen, you're dating a guy that's sort of abusive and critical and puts you down and intimidates you, 
He doesn't want you, young woman, to know that you have dignity and value and that God knows your name and that you're a woman that can stand with truth and there's a value, dignity about you. And so when you start coming to God and understanding that you are a woman of value, he's not gonna like it because he wants you sniveling like a worm, feeling like you're nothing and putting up with whatever dirt he gives you. There are some of your old friends that they want you to be an addict. They don't want to clean, sober you. Because when you're an addict, you're like them. And they feel comfortable around that. You get out of addiction, you start cleaning up, you start walking right, then your sobriety starts making their addiction uncomfortable. And they want to sweep you back in because they don't like the new you that makes them feel like, why aren't you changing? They want you to stay as the old you. Hey, hey, listen, you start giving your life to Christ and you start realizing that your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are a person that walks with the presence of God inside of you. And you know, that boyfriend that kind of accompanies you to church because he's okay with a little religion and you, stop, you start saying, hey, we can't have sex together because my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Until you put a ring on my finger, you're not getting the goods here. Then, you know, he may like the old you a lot better than he likes the new you. He doesn't want you to change. All I'm telling you is that there will be opposition when you start changing, and there's a lot of people that like you to stay the old you. They will oppose the new you. Family, religious people, neighbors, people around you aren't always gonna celebrate the fact that you are being changed and transformed by the power of God. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out of the synagogue. And when Jesus found the blind man again, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man said, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. You know, the most thrilling, powerful words that I see in this entire passage, the most compelling testimony that this blind man had when people were saying, well, who is it and how did he do it and is it true? I love when the blind man said in verse 24, it says, a second time the Pharisees summoned the man who had been blind and they said, give glory to God they said, we know this man, speaking of, about Jesus, is a sinner. Verse 25, I love what the blind man replied who was blind before. He said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The most powerful thing you have as a witness to others is your story. No one can argue with it. I mean, it's like saying I was once blind and now I see, right? You may not know all of the theology or have all the big words down. You may have never gone to Bible school. Maybe, like me, you struggle sometimes to just pronounce Bible books correctly. But you know Jesus, and you know who you were and who you are now. And you know who brought about that dramatic change, right? Jesus. 
Maybe you began your journey with Jesus a long time ago. For others, you know, it's a story just now unfolding. It's like the opening chapter or two. Or maybe, just maybe, you'd like to start your story, but you're not quite sure how. Can we help you take that first step? As you've listened today, you've heard how important your faith in Jesus Christ is. It's a life changer. It means forever in heaven instead of forever in hell. The greatest gift, forgiveness, and eternal life. Wow. And God is ready to share it with you, but you must believe. You say, believe what? The Bible says if you confess, that means agree. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this can happen for you right now, today. We can pray together if you like. But please know we're not offering a a problem-free, pain-free, bills-free life because the Bible doesn't offer any of that. A life with Jesus is a life of dying to most everything the world says is valuable. But it's the only way to be forgiven, the only way to know you're headed for heaven. Now, if you want that, if you want that, pray with me right now. I'll try to give you a little space to pray your own prayer. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you in faith. I believe you died for me on the cross because I've messed up. I haven't murdered anyone, but I'm a sinner. And I agree with you about that. Would you please forgive me for all my wrongdoing, my sins? I want to turn away from all this junk. Would you please help me, Jesus? Be in charge of me for the rest of my life, I pray. Be my Savior. Amen. You know, if you uh, prayed that prayer for the first time, I invite you to a resource right at the top of our webpage called How to Know Christ. Start at the top and just work your way down. Again, click on How to Know Christ at moodypresents.org. Well, we're going to be back next week with CSI Message 3, Christ Said I Am. I'm John Geiger, and for Pastor Mark Job, you've been listening to Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.